Hello beautiful and welcome to Finding Fertility. I'm your host Monica Cox from FindingFertility.co and I created this podcast to help get you to start thinking outside of the box and realize that your infertility might have nothing to do with your lady bits. Rooted in functional medicine and personal experience, Finding Fertility is all about looking at the whole body and finding the root cause of your infertility. Finding Fertility does not diagnose, prescribe, or treat any issues of infertility. But what we do is take a holistic approach and improve your diet and your lifestyle to get you steps closer to creating your dream family. Just by being here with me, listening to this podcast, you're already going down the right path to making your dreams come true. Let's do this together. Happy Friday, all. Welcome back to another episode of Finding Fertility. I'm your host, Monica Cox, and I'm super honored you are here with me becoming the conscious mama you are meant to be. I have a really cool guest on today, Kara from New Zealand. And we actually met in a cafe only a few weeks ago because uh, my husband's family doesn't live too far from where you are. And now we're here on the podcast. So welcome. Thank you so much for having me. Thank you so much. It was so good to meet you on my soil over in New Zealand. It was so funny. We happened to just reach out to each other. We made the connection that your hubby was a Kiwi. The next thing we know, you're coming to New Zealand and we spent three hours in a cafe chewing each other's ears off because we just had so much to talk about. So it's good to connect again. Yes, I know. It's so lovely to one, meet like-minded people and then to actually see them face to face. (laughs) Like it doesn't really happen when you live in Hawaii. Um, So welcome. You and I have a lot in common. We Mm. are older moms. Our boys are very similar ages. Mm -hmm. And we both didn't believe the doctors when they told us or gave us our diagnosis. So just give us like the cliff notes of your journey. Sure. So um, I was 33 when I received my diagnosis of diminished ovarian reserve. I My FSH was sky high through the roof it was at 25 um, and my AMH was in the red very low I know it's different measurements between sort of the states and Canada and, and Hawaii and maybe New Zealand so I won't give the number but it was it was low and I was told that based on those numbers that I it was unlikely I would ever conceive with my own eggs that egg donor was really my best option if I wanted to have a family Um, And that IVF wasn't even an option for me because even with all of the drugs, it was unlikely that I would produce even one or two viable follicles. So I was rather blindsided by that, as you can imagine. I, you know, I've been trying for six months naturally. I did feel like something was off. Um, I told my GP that I've been trying for a year Um, and he wouldn't even talk to me about it. He did the FSH and he sent me to a specialist and then the specialists gave me that diagnosis of diminished ovarian reserve. And um, yeah, basically egg donor was my was my option and that was kind of it. There was nothing I could do to improve my situation. I asked the question, of course, the first thing you ask is, well, what can I do to improve my fertility? And the answer I got was nothing really. So yeah, that came as a massive shock and... I just didn't believe it. I'm much like you, Monica. I was just like, I know I'm going to have two children. I'd always just see myself having two children. I knew I was having two children. And I just knew that 
this wasn't really going to be the case for me like yes these are my numbers but I'm not going to I'm not going to make this mean that I'm not going to go on to have my children there are things that I'm going to do that is going to support me to have my two children so um I my uh, specialist said to me look you could try a few IUIs if you wanted to but then we'll need to regroup and talk about egg donor I mean this is how certain she was that I would never conceive with my own eggs but I'd need to do it quickly, right? Because as far as she was concerned, I was a ticking time bomb. You know, my eggs were literally depleting by the moment. So there was a lot of time pressure from her point of view. And I was just like, no, I'm taking six months to really look at what I'm doing to support my fertility and the best route for me to support my body and my mind and my spirit to get everything as aligned as I can before I jump into that IUI, which I was given a 6% chance of that being successful. So I did that. And over that six months, I initially I'd gone from hypervigilant panic stations, take it all, do it all, read it all. Um, and I just felt the burnout. I could just feel it coming for me, you know, so I knew this was not the path to my baby. And I took a massive U-turn and just looked into all the ways that I could support my fertility through my subconscious programming and through energetics and through um, slowing down and being more in my feminine um, and doing a lot of things like that, which I did for six months in the lead up to this IUI. Um, yes, I still supported my physical health, but I wasn't as um restrictive with it I'd still have a glass of wine with my girlfriends you know I just really took down the barriers to all the things I thought I had to do um around you know fertility rules and I just went with what felt right and I went into that IUI and cut a long story short that is now my oldest boy who is seven um so that was just obviously amazing and after you know being told I had a six percent chance which again by the stage the numbers and the stats are kind of I wasn't really buying into them but it was an amazing you know time for our family to to have a beautifully healthy pregnancy and birth and he's and he's a healthy boy now um and I really wanted to have another child so I had my oldest at 35 and I really did want to have a sibling for him and I again I had always seen myself with two children but I kind of a little bit reverted back into this hypervigilant masculine mode of oh, oh, oh I better get I better get onto this because now I'm 37 and for a little bit there I rushed into it and I kind of regressed back into my old ways and I did four IUIs which all failed and I just took a honest look at myself and what I was doing and the way that I was being and I knew that my baby would not be on the other side of this manicness and went back to I'm going to take another six months off and I'm going to do all the things I did before I conceived my oldest boy and really ground into my body again and listen to my intuition and take aligned action from that place, slow down my life, create space in my life. And I took those six months and three months into that time frame, I conceived naturally um, after being told I had a 1% chance of that ever happening for me. So again, perfectly healthy pregnancy beautiful home birth and super healthy child and you know it was then that I realized I just had to work in this space because women I don't think realize just how much influence they do have over their fertility and from that moment on I was like I have to work with these women because 
there is just so much more to it than this is your statistic and your prognosis and there's no way around it because it's just not the truth yeah exactly and it it's so crazy that we all have to go through so much to get to that knowledge Mm -hmm. right which should be taught to us from the very beginning so what came up for me is I want to know with hindsight why do you go back into the old ways if the new ways quote-unquote work so well for you yeah I think you know this kind of work you know this kind of conscious inner work which now I've stuck you know I've been with it now since I had my youngest consistently now but I think at the time you know our old patterns they're not that easy to break they've been with us since childhood they are embedded in our subconscious programming they've been with us since we were probably seven years old and I sort of had you know my oldest boy and I went back to work and I just I don't know why I reverted back to that place I think that it was just the programming was so deep-seated and I think something that did help was that I was working with a woman who was a hypnotherapist for fertility in particular and I saw her for six weeks before I actually did that first IUI for my oldest boy and then I went back to her when all these IUIs failed to really clear out the remaining like shit basically that was keeping me stuck and it was during that time of working with her that I conceived naturally so there's always going to be layers in life you know we're not kind of one and done we're awakened we're like these new you know we will never do that again we're, we're just so pure and, and all the rest of it it was it was it was a layer that I had to relook at and I did and once I worked through that again I can see naturally so I think it's just from deep-seated programming for so long you know by that stage I was 37 and it just popped it's reared up again and it gave me the opportunity to look at it again though right it's these it's not necessarily something to look at with annoyance it's actually an opportunity for us to heal so um yeah that's that's kind of I think why I went back to that place briefly before I realized that that was not the path for me. Yeah. I mean, I 100% agree uh, from personal knowledge and from, <laughs> from uh, studying it. Um, I, you know, quit drinking during my, my fertility journey. That was something I absolutely had to do uh, to heal my gut health. And I remember thinking like, oh, I'm just never going to go back to those old ways. Like, you know, I wasn't saying I wasn't going to never have a glass of wine again, but the heavy drinking, right? The Friday, yeah. Saturday nights and stuff. Jesus Christ, did I slip back into that mm-hmm. um, quite quickly. Yeah. <laughs> and, um, it never got back to the point of, you know, me in my teens or my 20s or early 30s, but um. It wasn't until my second son was born and I was getting into those bad habits. You guys all know I live in Hawaii and I'm telling you, you feel like you're on vacation every single day. Like even Mm -hmm. when you live here, you just have this feel. So 2.30, 3 o'clock would roll around. You're like, yeah, I don't got to drive anywhere. The kids are fine. Like I'll just have one or two gin and tonics. Well, if you're doing that every single night, you know, and it was affecting my health again. Mm. And just like you I had to go back and go okay what layer am I at now because when you're on this journey no one really tells you at the beginning that it is a multi-layered system 
you think, oh, okay, I'm going to heal this part of it. And then that's it. I'm done, right? Like I can move on. And yes, you feel so much better and you are able to live your life in a different way. But when you're looking at 30 decades of like super heavy luggage, I like to call like, like you get born with some suitcases, right? And like, you're not going to fill them. The people around you, your society, your religions, your parents, your schools, you know, all those things. Mm -hmm. uh, and I don't think they do it on purpose, <laughs> but um, they just fill that shit up. But you're the one who has to carry it. And until you start unpacking, pulling back those layers, it's not until you can really start living your authentic life. And it's just not something we are taught. I think one of the things we both tapped into is slowing down and not being so type A and over controlling and always on the go. And that's easier said than done. What was your journey like with that? Yeah, I mean, I, it's interesting, isn't it? Because I'm sure you see this a lot with your clients as well. It's definitely a pattern of this A type perfectionist overachieving that. We see a lot with fertility clients and I was the absolute cookie cutter, A-type, overachieving perfectionist to the T and I had always been that way. Obviously, you know, through my childhood, I always wanted to get good grades to impress my parents or my teachers and get into all the top sports teams and, you know, always looking for validation and from people outside of myself and I found that I got that when I achieved or when I succeeded or when I did something right and well and I was like that all through school um, and all outside of school as well extracurricular activities and then completely brought all of that into my fertility journey at the beginning of my journey at least until I took a good hard look at myself and I definitely I think when we are faced with one of the hardest challenges of our lives which fertility is for so many women we do tend to, when we have those patterns there, we do tend to go full force into those patterns, right? And very much into the masculine of the doing, the hypervigilance, the A-type, I've got to do everything. I'm going to take everything off the list. I've got this growing to-do list and I'm going to get through it all. And if I don't, I'm a failure. And I was there. I brought all of that type A perfectionist crap into my beginning of my fertility journey. And that's when I really started to feel burnt out. You know, I was not enjoying this journey. I was literally rattling with the number of supplements I was taking. I My diary was full of all of these people I was going to see who were going to do their magic on me and make me more fertile. And, you know, plus working full time. And I had started my own paleo and gluten-free food business at the same time. So I worked full time. I went into a commercial kitchen in the evening to make my products I was also faced with this fertility diagnosis and all of this happened at the same time. And, you know, it's, is it any wonder that my FSH was so high, you know, and I know there are different schools of thought on this, um, but from what I know and from what I have seen with clients and from my own research, you know, FSH is very, very sensitive to stress. And I feel like I'd be living in a chronically stressed state um, from just the type A-ness and the go-go-go-ness and the hypervigilance. And that really sort of cranked up, you know, around the time that I was trying to conceive when I also decided to run a business alongside my full-time business, um, which was very, very taxing and hands-on and time-consuming. So, you know, it really took me to 
take that really hard look at myself and realize my baby was not going to be on the other side of burnout. My baby is not going to come into my life if I am a wreck. I have no energy. There is no space in my life to bring in this baby. My baby will be looking down just going, are you kidding me? Like, no way. I'm not coming down right now. Sort your shit out. Um, and so, yeah, it was just making small changes because when you have been that way for, as you say, like, you know, three decades, um, it is hard to shift out of those patterns. So for me, it was just about making small changes, like saying no to the things I truly didn't want to go to rather than saying yes all of the time because I felt like that was the right thing to do. Mm-hmm. You know, clearing space in my diary for purely doing things that I wanted to do for the pure joy of it. You know, going for a walk without my earphones in to listen to more information about how I was going to get pregnant, but actually just be in nature, you know, a mindful walk. Um and, you know, just be more in my feminine around, you know, tapping more into my intuition and just trusting my body. I mean, my belief was there that I was going to have these two babies. You know, I had a very strong belief around that. But then why am I not trusting my body with that? So really leaning into, if I truly believe that I'm going to have these two babies, then trust trust your body. It's yeah. going to happen. Um yeah. And treat your body the way that you would be treating it if you were pregnant now. That was a big thing for me. It was actually, if I was pregnant right now, would I be doing all of these things? And the answer was a very clear no. And that kind of just paved the way for me to just, you know, check myself when I would be making decisions. Is this in alignment with my fertility or is it not? Mm-hmm. And I kind of, that kind of created that compass point for me in terms of decision making and little by little it radically changed the way that I was living and the way that I was being on my fertility journey yeah all right so I think most people know or it's easy to access all the things that you need to do yeah but let's get into why you don't do them or why you were being so type a in the first place and you don't have to obviously share anything you don't want to share but what were the things from the program mean that you got as a child that led to the type A-ness overachieving overdoing basically finding your worth outside of yourself I think that you know I and like with a lot of people you know with this, this subconscious programming a lot of women have had a fantastic life great parenting and 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 a fantastic life but there's always going to be things that as a child we make them mean something it's not that our parents did anything wrong that we and it doesn't necessarily need to be that we've had a huge trauma um but we as a child make things mean things about ourselves and you know I had two parents one my father worked a lot he was out the door before you know uh, we were up in the mornings and he worked a lot and the weekends he just wanted to be out you know, in his garden, sorting out the pool, having a beer, whatever. Um, and my mum really did it all for me and my sister. You know, she she did everything for us. and But she also worked a lot. You know, she worked pretty full time. Um, and I guess I think a lot of the programming for me was around, you know, to get some attention, you know, um, was to be like, hey, I got an A on this or hey, I just won a gold medal in my dancing competition or, you know, whatever it might be. It was like, I I guess I made my environment mean in order to get a bit more attention, then I would need to succeed and overachieve and do things perfectly. And 
my parents didn't expect that from me. That was what I interpreted it as for myself, as the meaning for myself. So I think it came from, yeah, just the perfectionism came from there, the wanting to do well, get the good grades, get the good job, you know, um, get the good job with the right kind of company and um, all of those things that really um, materialistic things that mean nothing, but it was like ingrained in me. And I think it just came from, yeah, childhood programming of this was the way that I felt validated. This was the way that I felt like I had a place in the world, that I was worthy, that I was good enough for myself and other people. And, um, you know, it's not a conscious knowing until you start learning this stuff. It's just in there. It's just your patterns. And it isn't until you realize that it's the subconscious programming that has basically created you as an adult today. Um, and it stems from your childhood. So, that's kind of where it came from and it yeah it was very much in full force and um almost in hyper mode it almost went to another another level after I got my fertility diagnosis yeah it's just that added layer of extra stressness right and the reality is is that you were able to achieve everything that you wanted to achieve in that mode right so that your brain's like well that's how we do it so keep going but the sad reality is, is that you're, you've literally contributed to your fertility issues in that mode. Absolutely. And I think Absolutely. that's for a lot of people who don't have the quote unquote big traumas kind of are just like WTF. Like I knew I was like, I don't really understand a lot of, and I didn't even know this word programming that I was running until I mean it didn't happen in my fertility journey it really happened in motherhood and entrepreneurship Um, but I think a lot of women are seeing okay I'm doing the diet I'm doing the lifestyle I've detoxed everything in my life right you know I don't touch receipts I over supplement which is actually bad for your health but you know they think they're doing all the right things all the tangible things because they've just been in that mode for so long and if you can just stop and take a look at why you're doing these things and just get radically honest with yourself and like you said following that intuition getting still getting into your body the answers literally come to you Mm -hmm. and it's the craziest thing and the sad thing is is most women don't even trust that until like and I know I went through this like there's many times my intuition higher self spirit team god whatever were like absolutely not do not do that and I did it anyways and it made my journey more heartbreaking more expensive and longer mm-hmm. and it wasn't yeah. until you can just look back and go oh, okay I do have a feeling around this I'm going to follow that feeling even though everyone around me thinks I'm nuts mm-hmm. and the doctors tell me that I can't We're going to pause this episode right here. So make sure you tune in next week as me and Kara continue our amazing conversation. Thank you once again for tuning in to the Finding Fertility podcast. If you're loving this podcast, please leave us a rating and review and let us know how this podcast is supporting you to get steps closer to creating your dream family. I hope you have a beautiful weekend and we will see you next Friday for another episode of the Finding Fertility podcast.